up everybody my name is mj and you are listening to the one and only mtg in quarantine podcast where the motto is edh community now and always as usual before we get started here i'm gonna give a quick shout out to my local game store guardian games find guardian games on the web at ggportland.com i'd also like to utilize the opportunity to give another huge shout out and thank you to all the awesome people who support me over patreon.com slash mtg in quarantine so, I'd like to give a huge round of thank yous to Mr. Big Benz, Nick S., Frugal Brutal, and Coach Jero for supporting the show. If you'd like to help support the show and help me make more awesome content, head on over to patreon.com slash MTG in quarantine for more information. And you can pick up your very own MTG in quarantine branded playmat over at Inked Gaming. That's I-N-K-E-D gaming.com. Got two really awesome versions, both the full color logo as well as the grayscale version. They both look killer. You're going to want one for you and all of your friends. So again, you can go over to Inked Gaming. That's I-N-K-E-D gaming.com. And again, every purchase helps support the channel and is greatly appreciated. You even sound like Tony the Tiger there with my greatly appreciated. And last but not least here on the uh, the pre-roll is I am going to be a feature content creator at Laughing Dragons Command Fest Anaheim in Anaheim, California in a couple of weeks here. It's going to be a really awesome event from June 16th through the 18th at the Anaheim Hilton Hotel. And it's going to be an awesome time. I look forward to seeing folks there if you can make it out. And yeah, you can definitely go on over to laughingdragonevents.com slash commandfestanaheim for more information. But I know the folks out there are not here to listen to all the pre-roll stuff, right? You're here to listen to the meat of the episode, so I'm just going to get right to it. So again, this is another cosplay episode, so if you're interested in hearing more about uh, previous cosplay episodes, you can find those on the channel. But anyway, this one kind of hits a little bit differently because... It actually talks about a cosplay that I I'm not the only one who's done this right, and it's it's a little it was a little weird at first, but you know I figured you know why the hell not? It's a pretty awesome topic. Uh, maybe I'll learn something. I mean I always try to learn something from from these episodes, right? I don't I don't bring folks on just to talk. I am trying to actively learn when I when I bring folks on to to talk with these episodes. So. Anyway, without further ado, I would like to introduce today's episode guest coming on to the podcast to talk about awesome cosplay stuff. I'd like to introduce Ninja Puffed. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, no problem. So uh, how would, but yeah, so before we get started here, is there anything you would like to give a quick plug to any sort of pitch uh, that the folks at home would like to hear about? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... You're able to find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at NinjaPuffed. I don't use it very frequently, but if I do post anything, that'd be the place to find me. Definitely, definitely. So, yeah, about today's topic. Um, yeah, today's episode is going to be all about how uh, Scott here and I 
both independently ended up cosplaying as Gerard Capuchin and then randomly bumping into each other at Magic Fest Philadelphia back in February and kind of having one of those Spider-Man pointing meme moments. Um, yeah, it was it was a little weird, honestly. It's like I, I had never seen anyone cosplaying as Gerard before. And then it's like I walk in like two minutes later, bam, I run into you. I was like, wait a second. What 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 the heck's going on? Am I seeing double? So, yeah, I, I wanted to, to talk, ask you about what brought you to that particular character as far as wanting to cosplay Gerard, especially since he's an older character. A lot of folks who started, you know, more recently, like I have, this is ancient history for magic. So, I mean, what what brought you to wanting to cosplay that particular character? Well, uh, so as, as you said, uh, and to quote the, the, the announcer at the MagicCon Philly cosplay competition, Gerard's a bit of a, quote, boomer character, quote. Uh, and I've always been a big fan of the lore. I've always found it very interesting seeing how magic stories evolved over time. And one of the, just the really big, like, stories and sort of, story a collection of stories that ultimately is the weatherlight saga i always find very interesting to see how they've characterized all these characters and how that compares to modern storytelling with as, as it applies to magic the gathering yes uh, yeah so as a spoiler alert for the folks listening in there the weatherlight saga start i want to say in 1996 and ran through about 2003 to 2004, I want to say. Maybe maybe it ended a little bit earlier, and effectively follows the story of the crew of the Weatherlight as they battle against the Phyrexians across multiple planes and uh, kind of all do this under the watchful guise of one Urza, who's kind of a pain in the ass, to be honest, um and gets himself in a lot of trouble but anyway that's kind of beside the point the, the point here is that it like this was the magic storyline for like six seven years so if you were playing back in those days if you're paying attention to the lore the books back in the days these were the only characters we, we that you really had to, to go on i mean we uh, we talk nowadays about all the different characters and the planes that they they go to all the planeswalkers who show up and then don't show up again for like the next year well you didn't have that back in the day right it's like you had the the same crew going on the same quest you know, for for years at a time, and that was literally every release came out and was very story related. Everything pretty much came from the lore, and yeah, so and you can see that in the art, the flavor text, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I've never actually read uh, any of those pieces of the lore. I, I had to kind of do the the Cliff Stotes versions over on the MTG Wiki, so it's like I I know enough about the story, but yeah, uh, what. Yeah, it, it, it's a really cool story. Someday it'd be awesome, you know, if I had unlimited funds to actually jump back and actually buy and read all the books. But, uh, you know, that that can be kind of difficult with paperbacks that are over 20 years old. And, okay. yeah. So now that we've uh, kind of dived into into that particular thing, what exactly, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I necessarily got a full answer here, Scott. Um, what about Gerard specifically really interested you in cosplaying as him? So, like, one of the things is I was trying to look around at different options for magic characters that I feel like I could do justice in, in cosplaying. And also, 
uh, to keep my hair roughly the length that I wanted it to be at. And with the printing of the new card, the or new age card now, uh, Gerard Weatherlight Hero in the one of the commander decks, I with, with his hair had been lengthened just about where mine was at. So I was like, okay, you know what? This is a good stepping in point where I can really start to try to learn more about this character because I, I was familiar generally with the story, but I wasn't heavily invested, I suppose. And after reading some of uh, the Invasion books, so I, I've I've read the Invasion book, I've started the Plane Ship book. It's, it's just such a interesting sort of... Gerard as a very general... Night, like late 90s early 2000s action hero i i just find it very comical and some of it is always very stoic but also expressive at the same time i i find him a very interesting character so yeah i i definitely agree with that is that was actually what brought me to wanting to cosplay as gerard as well as like there's only so many characters with male characters with long hair and it's like half of them are wearing very intricate costumes that I could never actually pull off as a cosplay. Whereas George just kind of, you know, hanging out with his shoulder armor and a sword and, you know, just really a really more attainable costume, I would say than, um, than, than a lot of other characters like Gideon, for instance, where I was like, you gotta have a full suit of armor or else this just isn't working. So sure. yeah, th that's what got me in there. So, so it's good to hear that we we had similar reasons for landing on this particular character as a as a cosplay subject. Yeah, I I, I think it's because like even though some of Gerard's stuff may not be as complex as some other maybe modern more modern designs, uh, I do think a lot of just the the small details in how he's portrayed and how his depiction is like changes throughout. Like going from, like the beginning of the Weatherlight Saga to the end, uh, there there's a lot of room for creativity and uh, working with uh, within the design space. So, I I had an absolute blast putting it together. Yeah. So yeah. So, so let's talk a little bit about your uh, cosplay journey there. So you you have the idea that you're going to cosplay as Gerard. You're looking to have participate in the cosplay contest at MagicCon Philly. Just walk us through that process. What do you really enjoy about that process? And was there anything that maybe you wish you told your your past? Yeah, if there was if there was anything you wish you could tell your past self, it's like, hey, this is going to be a bit more difficult than you thought it was going to be. Just any, any fun stories about that? Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I've always done, like, closet cosplays and stuff, so nothing that's as in-depth as some other things that you could possibly do in co in the cosplay world. But this, like, hearing that there's a cosplay contest at MagicCon, like, originally at Vegas and then at Philly, I was like, okay, I'm, I think I'm ready to dip my toes in the water. So this was my first, like, real, almost from, entirely from the ground up cosplay. And I, I, I think the one piece of advice that I give myself is, like, keep, like, one, Learning to sew, even with a, with a sewing machine, is a very useful skill. It's come, into hand, uh, come in handy a couple of times since doing this cosplay. Uh, and also just doing plenty of research about the materials that you want to work with are is very important. Because, uh, yeah, like, 
there's there's a variety of different ways you can make armor, whether it be EVA foam, whether it be Warbler like I did. Uh, each have different pros, each have different cons, so it's... There's a lot of interesting things that went into the process of putting the cosplay together. For sure, for sure. And, and I think that's something that a lot of folks who don't cosplay themselves kind of forget is, you know, this is a labor-intensive process. And even if your costume isn't, let's say, one of the winning costumes at one of the contests, like the, the ones that are just blow everyone else's costumes out of the water, um, it's like every person up on that stage went through a lot of work, a lot of pain, sweat, and tears to make that costume work. And it, it kind of sucks that, you know, they're they're kind of limited to the only the contest and maybe some YouTube fame six months later. But, you know, uh, unless you're one of the winners of the contest, people kind of forget about the costume. And it's really unfair, honestly. Yeah, it's, it's a little unfortunate, but also uh at, at least in my eyes how i how i've been uh experiencing this is but both in cosplaying a character that there's frankly little demand for but uh also it's the the act of showing it off at the contest that was just the cherry on top like going through the process learning stuff i i would not say i would ever want to go back and not do that like i i definitely am wanting to work on more competition potential potentially competition ready uh cosplays because it's just the the amount of satisfaction i had on the stage that it, it was unlike any other project that i've done so it, i'd highly recommend anyone who's even thought about trying it go for it you can do it it'll be awesome yeah, and that's something I've been harping about on my cosplay-centric episodes is, seriously, if you've ever been interested in giving a try to this, just do it. Because, you know what? It's 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 very different, but I'd say it's very rewarding in its own right. Um, just because you are demonstrating a level of devotion to a character and to the game that you love already. And then you're you're kind of just going above and beyond that, right? So you're you're basically saying this is so important to me that I actually want to act do adult dress up in this in this costume. And it's it's a really cool thing that I I don't think people really understand until they actually try their hand at it. Exactly. Yeah. And just and even even if on the first pass it's not exactly what you want to do with it. Uh it, it's an iterative process. Like as you do more, you get better. Uh just with anything in the world, but uh, cause like I went, I went through multiple iterations of different parts of the armor and each time it got a little bit better in different ways. So I, I, I encourage everyone to, uh, if, if they're feeling like scratching the creative itch, this is a very good outlet for that. So definitely, definitely. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to kind of jump back here and it, it's really funny how many different cards in the lore include Gerard in some shape or form and I just keep randomly running into new ones I don't know why but it just seems like new ones pop up all the time it's like huh that card is really weird why have I never seen that before but it always has some uh, some weird effect I'm trying to find it here yeah, uh, it also uh, I, I guess while you're looking, just in the way they depict Gerard in the art and over throughout the years, 
is always very interesting and in trying to piece together what the consistent like through line of it's like okay this is this is what the back of his armor looks like this is how these lock together yeah i mean that was a lot of fun. actually kind of his design never really changed though that was the interesting thing was that he was uh, pretty much always shown roughly in the same way i mean obviously there's small cosmetic changes but uh generally speaking i'd like to say that most of it is somewhat similar i mean i think the biggest difference in most cases like he he gains or removes the the shoulder armor and uh, his vest is a little bit different in some of the older depictions fair enough yes i i do agree yeah that's that is one of the big ones and and, uh, and, the, and the fact we have so many iterations of his card, it's like there's a lot of source material to draw upon, which was actually really nice because he does have two legendary creature cards, which, again, were important for me to look at, um, especially since the original card actually gives him a full body profile. So you can actually see uh, his entire body it was like, OK, you know, this gives me the idea that, hey, I already have the, the pants for this cosplay. So all of a sudden, you know, maybe this is actually doable versus other characters where it's like, where do I even start on this? Oh yeah, absolutely. And like, for me, the, the part that really sort of like, there's like one, it's a newer art actually that I believe it was the masters 25 ensnaring bridge, mm -hmm. like tr trying to find a shot of uh, Gerard from behind is, was something just so I could see exactly how everything fit together. It was, so helpful so uh but just having a full front shot full full back shot so helpful thank thank you magic the gathering artists all of you are very talented <laughs> and it's also really cool just how many action shots he gets to i mean i'm just looking at a card like smite or a scapegoat sadistically just I, I'm just on Scryfall right now, just looking at all the different times where he's just randomly in the middle of beating the crap out of like Volrath or, <laughs> or or someone like that. It's like you know, you're you're right. He kind of was a '90s action hero, or sorry, a more like an '80s action hero in a '90s setting, right? Yeah, um, I, I think that's yeah. more accurate. <laughs> yeah, there's there's always the card Winnow, which literally shows him banging two. Uh, uh, soldiers helmets together just you know kind of trying to give him a concussion it's just kind of one of the silly actually which does show gerard's back which is uh not not the worst thing either especially if, especially if you're trying to complete the costume right it's like it's nice to be able to see the full body see how that works but it's also just kind of a funny piece of art as well right yeah uh, i think if i'm remembering correctly uh, one of my favorite pieces that has Gerard on it, just because it's a very, it, it's a very impactful story moment with Gerard in, I, be, I believe it's in Apocalypse, the, that book, uh, is the card Jilt. Oh, yes, where, yes, yes. Uh, and it's just, in the flavor text, I believe it's, you're not my henna. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I, that, just, that scene is like, burned into my mind as far as like how it goes down it's like oh wow <laughs> yeah a, so. a pretty a pretty heavy moment and again um forgive me folks out there if, if i'm forgetting this but i believe that had something to do with um it's, it's, yes is we're going to go back in the lore machine here for a quick second 
And uh, yeah, effectively, Gerard and I believe Urza end up fighting in the Phyrexian arena. And Gerard beheads Urza, therefore finally killing him, or supposedly killing him. And I believe Yogmoth offers Gerard something in return for something else, which that I don't remember. And that and that's ultimately what Jilt uh, demonstrates was supposed to be that prize. And it just turned out to be a false, false hope. Right. Right. Yeah, I believe. And th- this just being the, uh, the the kind of silly writing in the early 2000s. It's uh, I, he beheads Urza, but I, I think it specifically says, which is not fatal to a planeswalker or something like that. Yeah. But, so Ur, he just kind of carries Urza around for the rest of the story. <laughs> yeah, Ur, Urza's disembodied head. Like people were freaking yeah. out about Karn's disembodied head for like three sets. Imagine, imagine having Urza's head. It's like, hey guys, what's up? You know? <laughs> yeah. And so, because uh, in, in the invasion book, uh, it, it's it, the loss of Hannah. I'm sorry, spoilers, but yeah, it, it it's been out for 23 years. So 23 I, I think, years. I think I think we're okay. <laughs> uh, uh, so the, with the the loss of Hannah due to one of her previous wounds from one of the previous books, uh, uh was very impactful to Gerard as his character and sort of. I I saved some quotes that. I I wish that I had on me right now. But, oh man, yeah, uh, got you. You got my hopes up there, Scott. Jeez. Here, here, give me a <laughs> Let me. I'll, I'll go. I'll go. I'll keep talking. But I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll yeah. So, is it, how about I jump in here for a moment? So sure. yeah. So Amy, if folks are interested in just what Jilt does, I mean, it's just an instant uh, costing one in a blue. Has a kicker cost of one in a red, which is kind of interesting. Not. Real. I I mean, I guess the fact that Gerard technically has a red, um, a red pip. Which is kind of weird, given the fact that his original card was mono white. So anyway, whatever. So it says, return target creature to its owner's hand. If you pay the kicker cost, Jilt deals two damage to another target creature. So just kind of a funky, funky little uh, unsummon effect with a shock built in, I guess. A two mana shock. So yeah, you, you get a four mana unsummon plus a shock. Yeah. It, 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 it. It might be okay in limited, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In limited, this would be totally fine. Just that kicker cost is kind of weird. It definitely is. I mean, uh, uh, otherwise, Jilt is like a pretty normal card, right? You know, it just it's right. a little overcosted for for an unsummon, but you know, it is what it is. If you want to pick up a copy, you can get one for twenty two cents. Although apparently the foils are almost eleven dollars according to DCG players. So I don't know. Uh, uh, the apocalypse like invasion block uh foils sometimes are just interesting but uh i i did find the one quote in relation to this scene we we're talking about that i i took a photo out of the book for <laughs> uh so that this is like after uh after the phyrexian plague has uh taken hannah from from gerard uh Oh, how I will slay them, Gerard said bitterly as he clutched Hannah's skeletal hand. Uh, I will be my own plague. I will rot them away. I have had enough of portal wars and serums. I want a fight. A real fight. I want teeth against knuckles and broken noses and knives in the eyes. And I'm like... Jeez, settle down there. (laughs) (laughs) 
he, he's I, clearly not happy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I guess it technically makes sense. I'm I'm trying to remember was was that particular plague the one in Toxic Deluge? So, I, I think he's just referring to in general like the Phyrexian plague because yeah, like there what I believe it was a a specific bomb that exploded and had shrapnel that effectively gave Hannah an uncurable wound that wasted her away. I think that's yeah, I think that was the the deep lore. Yep. But... And and Gerard gets his own uh hero moment. So uh yeah, let, let let's tell people how Gerard's story ends just so that they uh want to go actually maybe well, you know, they, they can look it up for themselves. So if they want to go back and read the books, they already know the ending. So how does this character end up? Well, uh ultimately what happens is uh along with Karn and Urza's disembodied head, uh, in, in order to uh, defeat Yawgmoth, to put back the Phyrexians, put it, like, just deal with Phyrexia. Uh, both, of, both of Urza's eyes, which are the two, the Mightstone and the Weakstone from Brothers War, which is recent. Uh, Urza's entire plan has, is this. This is the legacy weapon. This is what he was going to do to destroy Phyrexia once and for all. So in taking out Urza's uh, Power of Stone Eyes and placing them into Karn, it activates the legacy weapon, uh, completely and utterly destroying uh, Phyrexia. Well, so so we thought anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, I mean, Karn forgot to wipe his shoes afterward. It, it, it's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, but a, a, anyway, Gerard does have to give his life. In, yes. in order for this to happen, because he was all part of this whole project that uh, that created the legacy weapon or was, you know, part of its activation and firing. So we're not going to go into that because that just gets way too deep in the lore. But also, in case you were wondering, legacy weapon actually is a card in the game oh, as well. Yes. Seven cost legendary artifact. Wooberg removed target permanent from the game and has the shuffle titan effect. So if it would be put into the graveyard from anywhere, shuffle it back into its owner's library. Uh, I am a big fan of this card. Whenever uh, you can make ludicrous amounts of mana and just <laughs> pew, 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 pew. plus, uh, plus, it's just got that really awesome art from Dominaria Remastered, oh. um, where it's literally the Weatherlight firing the Legacy Weapon right into Yogmoth's face. Um, oh, yeah. It's pretty epic art. Yeah, I, I, I really, I that that new art is. It, it does so much, and it depicts. It's a great depiction. I do still have a special place in my heart for uh, Bleeders Apocalypse, where it's it's just the weatherlight going pew, <laughs> but uh, just all the little attentions to detail in the new one. Are yeah, very especially since you just have this giant uh, cloud moth. I guess since the moth is technically not corporal corporeal anymore, just mm -hmm. kind of a giant death cloud at this point and just literally firing the death star laser <laughs> right into his face. That's uh, some pretty epic art right there. I got to say. Absolutely. And like, even though uh, the weather light has uh, seen better days as at last we heard of it, uh, just the fact that some of the reprints from whenever it was uh, in its prime, I suppose uh, they, they do, they do it justice. That's for sure. Definitely. I mean, 
Let's speculate on that one. So if the Phyrexian oil became inert, technically the weather light would crash, right? Just mm -hmm. on its own because it doesn't have any power. Well, I mean, I guess it technically still has power stones if it was operating, but I would assume it would just randomly crash and then someone would randomly run across it. So if we ever return to Dominaria, we'll probably see it again in some shape or form. I, f I feel like there was one like one side story or something like that that mentioned removing one of the power stones, but or like the main power stone. If I'm, I don't remember. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, there was that but, story in Dominaria United where it got infected, but that was the last we had heard of it, I believe. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah, I I believe you. It, it's been a little bit. I'm a little rusty on. Well, Dominaria let's United. take a look at the Magic Story Wiki. So, <laughs> so basically, you, you've stopped listening to the MTG and Quarantine podcast, and you've kind of ended up listening to the MTG and Quarantine where we, you know, talk way too much about the lore. Um, you know, uh, episode of this podcast. So I'm just gonna, yeah. So I'm going to mtgfandom.com, basically the MTG Wiki. Just want to see if anyone said anything about its last. Uh, no, that's uh, actually the weatherlight set. I'm not looking for that one. So uh, what, what I'm seeing on mtgfandom.com slash wiki slash skyship skyship weatherlight. Uh, oh, there you go. Uh, to to ferry. I so uh, let me see. The power stone of eventually reached to ferry, who after a struggle with a Johnny used the stone in the temporal anchor. Uh, okay. Okay. So that that's what kind of put us back into brother's war i see yep and then it randomly imploded so <laughs> yeah, yay <laughs> the fairy's back we're good <laughs> yeah i mean I, I i'd like to think that eventually we're gonna see the weather light again just because it seems to be one of the few things besides car and i would say that kind of binds the new story with the old story right is mm -hmm. that we in nowadays where we have all just we have a dime a dozen planeswalkers right we have a bunch of planes and all these characters that really have only kind of come around in the last decade or so these are really the couple of pieces that really say hey remember when and it, it, it's kind of nice to have those little threads that go back to the beginning of the story i think it really ties things together right is that we we, we occasionally get a an urza card i mean obviously brothers war ties things back in its own way, but that was just one set. And it was kind of nice to see, you know, current day, let's say, pieces in the story that just say, by the way, you should go back and read all of these other books. You should go back and read the lore because otherwise you're not going to understand a dang thing that's happening here, right? right. So so I, I kind of love the fact that they're just keeping these little story elements going just as a callback, if nothing else. Yeah, right. I I 100% agree. It's like it's just it's it's a nice touch if nothing else and it just shows that there's continuity in it rather than here's phase 1, here's phase 2, here's phase 3. There's very little overlap in these. Like having through lines throughout all that is I I think it's good elements of storytelling, but that's that's just me. Definitely, definitely. And I, I guess the Power Stone, according to the wiki, was actually included in the Dominaria United trailer. So that's that's kind of cool. If, if you haven't gone and seen that, you can go find that out over on YouTube. 
But yeah, anyway, um, I think we've kind of kind of hit the end of the episode here. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me, Scott. It's been great having you. It's been great just talking about Gerard for like 20, 25 minutes because, you know, I I learned something. And it's also just interesting to to hear the thoughts on someone who has done the exact same costume as you have. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute blast. And yeah, I I always just enjoy talking about Magic the Gathering. It's... <laughs> so much to talk about and it's always good to talk to great people awesome awesome well yeah if you're interested in hearing any of my previous cosplay episodes or just any episode of the mtg and quarantine podcast that i've done in the past you can find those on the usual podcast salad says your google's apple spotify player fam rockcast podcast overcast breaker and many others i honestly don't remember all of them but if it's a major podcast out you can probably find my content on there you can also find me on twitter as well as instagram i will have the link tree in the episode description here you can go find all of the links right there including my inked gaming affiliate code anyway i'd like to give another huge shout out and thank you to all the awesome people who support me over patreon.com slash mdg and quarantine Huge round of thank yous again to Mr. Big Benz, Nick S., Frugal Brutal, and Coach J. Row Forceport on the show. If you'd like to help support the show and help me make more awesome content, head on over to patreon.com slash quarantine for more information. And I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the MTG in Quarantine podcast. My name's MJ. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. The MTG in Quarantine podcast. <laughs>